What's going on, folks? Welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am Nick Farabai, right for Pittsburgh Sports Now, call games at WPTS Radio, and I'm a production assistant at ACC Network. And folks, today we have a lot to talk about. Pat Narduzzi was alluded by Heather Lake. They are close on an extension. We'll talk about that, what the extension could look like, how long ago, why it needs to happen soon, and all of that much more. We'll talk about it coming up here on Locked On Pit. You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, folks? Welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast. And as always, thank you for making the Locked On Pit Podcast your first listen every day, folks. Always appreciate it. Always appreciate the feedback. So make sure to like, subscribe, comment on YouTube. And if you're listening to this, make sure to leave a review. Continue to give me all the support. I always need feedback as well. Always appreciate that, folks. So always, always, always give me feedback so I can make this show the best it can possibly be for you guys. Because obviously you guys or what matter here. I can't do this without you guys, so need all that feedback from everyone out there. Now today, I mean, listen, it's not like today was some super eventful day in pit land, but there was stuff that carried over from yesterday that I think needs talked about. And one of those things that has to be talked about is the Pat Narduzzi extension, right? Like, when's that actually going to happen? Because Pat Narduzzi has brought Pitt an ACC championship. He's essentially accomplished every goal set out for him. And if you thought he was on the hot seat, well, he deserves the complete opposite now, right? He, like, deserves that benefit of the doubt. Now you're starting to get into that territory where you got to lock up Pat Narduzzi for a good big long time here. Because Narduzzi has earned it. I mean, to be quite frank, what else does the man have to do? And that's why we already have heard about Pat Narduzzi and Heather Like talking about extensions going all the way back to the Peach Bowl. And then she was talking before the lacrosse game as well about it now. So you're hearing about this all because it's got to happen. And and the time is now, right, to get it done. He's He's done everything possible to earn the extension. The question is, how lucrative do you want it to be? And the second question is, how long do you want it to be? Only goes for 2024 right now. And a lot of people might say, well, that's three seasons. It's a lot. But in the age of college football now, when you have to have some sort of stability, long-term stability for recruits, that's not long. And so you need to get an extension going. And and I, I'm interested to see where this goes with Pat Narduzzi because some of the extensions we've seen given out this offseason have been absurd. The James Franklin um, one obviously sticks out if you're talking about Pennsylvania. So there's a lot to kind of look at when you look at different types of contracts. Because, listen, some of these are like, some of these aren't just five, six million. I mean, some of these are nine, 10, 11 million. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about extremely lucrative contracts that put a strain on your budget. 
But, and I respect Pat Narduzzi for this, I suspect he wanted to get his staff in order before doing this. Before feeding himself and, and giving everything he had, I think that they wanted to get everyone else locked up, taken care of, and I appreciate that. And that's why you see Underwood hired. That's why you see Signetti hired. That's why you see all these guys hired before Narduzzi gets his extension. And so when I look at what Pat Narduzzi should get, it's an easy discussion. This is one year, but the program has consistently gone up. So he's getting paid, I believe it was reported around $4 million right now, so you're probably going to have to up that probably to 6 7-ish. I don't think you're going to get a lucrative deal like Franklin or, or, you know, like what drew Brian Kelly away from Notre Dame or Mario Cristobal got at Miami. You're probably not going to get a crazy figure like that. But six seventy a year, that seems about right to me. And extending that through, what season are we thinking? Through the 2024 season we have now, but some of these coaches are getting it through the 2031 season. I can't see Pitt doing that. And I know, you know, you have to follow the wave and you have to do all these different things, but Pitt's never been about following the wave. Pitt's always been about doing things a little bit off kilter from everyone else. Well, everyone else does something, Pitt does something else, right? That's kind of in the motto. And so Pitt is unlikely, in my opinion, to straight up just give him one through like 2030. That's okay. But we could use other deals as kind of models. And so through like 2028, a four-year extension, I think that would make sense. Because you could spread that money out. But you can also lock up Narduzzi to a relatively long contract. But also, if the continued success continues going on in two years, you can extend that further, give him another pay raise. So it works out not only for the university in terms of having that stability, but you also have Pat Narduzzi having the ability to get another contract in two years. And think of it kind of like an NFL free agency where you're a younger player and essentially you're going to want to Maybe stay with the team you like, but also understand, you know, maybe these last few years haven't gone as well as I would have. And, and, you know, I had this breakout year now, but if I continue to prove myself, there's more money waiting on my horizons. And that's what it could be here for Pat Narduzzi. And so I think that 2028 season is kind of a sweet spot for this. You don't go too long. So you don't lock him up for the next 10 years, you know, like Penn State did or, or something like that. But you also get him under contract for the next six, seven seasons to where you have long-term stability. You give him the pay raise, but you also leave the door open to in two, three years when things might be going well again or things might be going downhill. It gives you enough flexibility to, one, either move on if that if it so happens to fall completely out from under him because you never know what can happen in college sports. Crazy things happen all the time. So, it, you know, while Pitt's gone up under Pat Narduzzi, things could he absolutely turn south it's something that can happen it's something that has happened for many programs like this that have come up for a year and then have fallen off like a cliff or as i said you can open that for another extension which can up his salary it's a win-win for everybody involved but it has to happen right recruiting it's, it's gonna be the best they're gonna have in a really long time here and so allowing that to go up 
and continuing the stability of Pat Narduzzi in Pittsburgh because he's not going to get calls from top programs just yet. But maybe if the sustained success continues, he will. But you at least, if you don't offer him too much, if it's not too lucrative, you lock him up long enough, you get him into the mode where he's stable, he's got money, and he's got that ability, that flexibility in the future to really make some bank. Continuing to prove himself. Because here's the thing. Narduzzi's earned the benefit of the doubt on most things at this point, and for good reason. Because the staff hires he's made in recent years have been money. I mean, just straight-up money. His staffs have filled out very well, especially defensively, but also offensively. Hirings like Brennan Marion have proven to be really strong. I like the hire of Tyquan Underwood. Obviously, Mark Whipple turned out to be a good hire. So, there's a lot of good things to, to look at from Pat Narduzzi's perspective. And I think getting that extension done through 2028, 20, maybe six, seven a year, Pitt's going to have to pay up, and I think they're willing to now with the football program playing up to here. And obviously as well, something that is going to be factored into this, I, I imagine, is, I, and I, it, you know, it's going to be a question of how much money the boosters are willing to give and how much money that these guys are going to have to work with, especially if they move on from Jeff Capel with the buyout and everything. That could affect things a little bit. But Pitt should have enough money here with its boosters, with people around the program that care, with Pitt football going like this and, and being their best in 40 years, you would expect things to be able to be there. There should be a donator base among your boosters, and you should be able to pay this out. So 67 shouldn't be too lucrative for the university, even as the NCAA dishes out bigger than they could even uh, imagine. Pitt's not going to pay the Miamis, the Auburns, the LSUs, all these blue blood schools that are paying out absurd salaries. They're not going to be able to do that, but they can do that. Uh, I think six, seven mil is reasonable for the school, but they don't, they're not going to pay out 10, 11. Uh, like some of these coaches are getting paid out, but I think the Pat Narduzzi exception needs to happen. And for good reason, it is going to happen because what else are you going to do at this point? This is a guy that has played his hand perfectly in terms of building a stable culture. Guys aren't really, you know, guys that, or actual producers aren't really transferring out. You'll have the one here or there, you know, like Cam Bright. But that one even sounds like it was a mutual type of thing after his fight at the Peach Bowl. So you're, you're hearing all these different things, and it, it's coalescing in to this. All right, folks, we will also talk today. Former Pitt defensive back Lewis Riddick gets an interview with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Could he be their next general manager? We'll talk about that. But first, let me let you know about Bill Bar because, folks, this is the time of year that I'm betting you have pretty much given up on your New Year's resolutions. But not this year. You can stick to your resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because you can enjoy eating them. So have you tried the puffs? Because if you haven't, you're missing out on one of the best Built Bar, best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallows. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors, yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good. These are going to be your new favorite. And all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. But listen, you get all of the benefits of an actual protein bar. It's low calorie, high in protein, low in sugar, low in carb. You get it all. High fiber, 
Everything you want in a good protein bar comes with Built Bar and the flavor. Flavor might be number one, health number two. And that's exactly what you get with Built Bar. So, folks, all you have to do, go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and get 50% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 50% off at Built.com. All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers. And now some Pitt alums making some noise around the league, and if you will, and, and certainly one of those Pitt alums that's been outward and, and has been very supportive publicly to all things Pitt on Monday Night Football over the past few seasons has been none other than Lewis Riddick, former Pitt defensive back, executive with the Washington Football team, Washington Commanders now, of course, and the Philadelphia Eagles. It is Lewis Riddick, a guy that has a ton of Pittsburgh ties, right? Everything you look at from Lewis Riddick is Pittsburgh. He was a draft pick from Pittsburgh. He's a guy that's from Pennsylvania now. He's from the eastern part of the state. But Pittsburgh ties are, are, are just all there. Cousin of Tim Lewis. As well, another guy who played at Pitt, a guy who coached for the Steelers. So there's a ton of different connections here between these guys. And Lewis Riddick has been out of the game in terms of football for now about 10 years. 2013 was the last year he was on an NFL front office before shifting over to ESPN, going into that side of things. But understand... Now that he's getting the interview, not from just, you know, someone like the Giants, the Texans in the past have given him interviews and it sounded like he might get it, but not quite. And it it all felt like so close, but quite no cigar. And, And that was always something that when you looked at Pitt and you said, man, what if that Steelers job ever opened up? You knew Kevin Colbert was getting up there in age. You knew it was always possible. Well, it feels like it actually is really possible right now. He gets the interview from the Steelers today, as reported by Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, former Pitt defensive back. Lewis Riddick is interviewing for the Pittsburgh Steelers' open GM position with Kevin Colbert, retiring after the 2022 NFL draft. And and so this this is a, a very interesting proposition to me. Lewis Riddick to the Steelers as GM. I don't know how likely it is because when you look at Lewis Riddick and his credentials, Pittsburgh loves hiring guys with Pitt connections and loves hiring guys that know Pittsburgh. Like that is undeniable. This team has absolutely loved doing that in the past. They have guys that played for the Steelers that have played for Pitt that, that, you know, Penn State, like all those, you know, Pittsburgh-y ties that, that anyone could have with Pittsburgh, essentially. Penn State, Pitt, IUP. I mean, one of the other candidates in this cycle is Brandon Hunt. He's a guy that graduated from IUP. So he's he's a, he's a Pittsburgh native as well. Um, so, so there's Pittsburgh blood throughout the entire thing. Um, and, and that's really cool. Kevin Colbert as well as a Robert Morris. Um, grad, so there's a ton of just 
Pittsburgh ties, obviously the Rooney's or Kangrads. So lots to know about in terms of the Steelers and Pittsburgh. Their entire organization seems rooted in Pittsburgh in some way. And, and just on the coaching staff, Matt Canada was the Pitt offensive coordinator. Jerry Olsavisky played for Pitt. Um, and Terrell, Terrell Austin played for Pitt as well. Like there's just a ton of different ties to that roster. Uh, and and they might not have drafted a ton of Steelers um, at, at before. You know, the Pitt has not been Pitt to Pitt to Steelers has been a plentiful pipeline in terms of draft. James Conner was obviously the most recent one of that. But they usually sign a, a ton of guys from Pitt and certainly always give those Pitt guys a chance on the roster and training camp and, and if they can work it out. Lewis Riddick would just be the latest example of that. So those Pittsburgh ties, like. The thing is, the Steelers love people that know the Pittsburgh way. And if you're around Pittsburgh, you know the Pittsburgh way, right? And so Lewis Riddick 100% knows how the Steelers work. 100% knows how they work. He knows how they how they maneuver. He knows how this entire thing works in Pittsburgh. And that's something that the Steelers will always value. It doesn't matter how much, you know, it, it might be questionable. They're going to interview guys with Pittsburgh candidates. And, and that's something to look at. But also, the Steelers love to hire guys from the internal part of their org as well. Now, that Lewis works not internal. You know, Brandon Hunt, who is the guy I, I aforementioned uh, kind of referenced as an IUP grad, a guy that has grown up in Pittsburgh. I mean, Brandon Hunt's a guy that is very Pittsburgh. And so that's another one where you look at it and say, well, Brandon Hunt is also a Pittsburgh tie, but he's been with the Steelers for over a decade. And I think he's the favorite to become the hire. I think he's the favorite. I think Brandon Hunt is the guy that is most likely to get this job. But Lewis Riddick, I mean, he's a serious candidate. And when the Steelers aren't going to hire someone from the inside, it's guys like Lewis Riddick that come off and, and surprise everybody. Those strong-mannered, those highly-willed guys that that just you th- when you when you come into a room, you just notice them. Like that was who Mike Tomlin was. I know he didn't have the Pittsburgh ties, but he had that same strong personality type. When he came to the room, he demanded the attention of everyone in that room. Bill Cowher was that same way, and and so. You know, in a softer way, so it's Kevin Colbert. But the, the the Pittsburgh ties here, it's true. I don't know how likely it is they're going to hire Lewis Riddick because I think they're going to hire from inside, and I think Brandon Hunt's the favorite just because he has those Pittsburgh ties as well as those different type of modules within the organization that he understands it. And Lewis Riddick also has the question of he hasn't worked in the NFL since 2013. So, like, how much does he actually know still in football? Has the game passed him by to a degree? I know he works around it, but does he understand the front front office psyche still? Um, how good is his evaluation skills? Like, do we actually have that on the record? How much has he evolved since that time? There's so many different questions about him in terms of that that you can also see this guy could just be another Mike Mayock. The difference is he has worked in NFL front offices and not just, you know, as, as a scrub. Like, I mean, he was the director of pro personnel for the Eagles and the Washington football team. 
So that's the, the, that's not something to scoff at. I mean, Lewis Riddick has had legitimate NFL jobs that have had pretty high-ranking positions in front offices. There's a reason he's considered for these GM jobs, and it feels like he might get them. The difference is we don't really know a lot about his resume. Like, yeah, you could say, okay, he's wrong on ESPN sometimes, but also it's ESPN, it's different, it's broadcast television. A lot of it can change. And so nothing is is quite uncertain here. And Lewis Riddick, being the CSGM, would, would fit the pit puzzles together in terms of everything when you look at at Pitt and the Steelers. The connections would just be unbearable at that point, but we'll see. I don't think it's quite likely he'll get it, but I think he's a serious contender. I, I don't think you can just brush it off as saying, ah, he, he's he's 100% going to just be a, an interview that they just you know used to put a Rooney role candidacy on. They're going to hire Brandon Hunt. I don't think that's 100% true. I think he's a legitimate candidate, and they're going to see what they can they can get out of him. They're going to see what type of info they get about Lewis Riddick, but I think this is a legitimate candidacy. And so when, when I look at Lewis Riddick and him potentially getting this, there's a lot to be intrigued by. That's to say the least. There's a lot to be intrigued by for this entire thing. And, and whether he gets it or not, we'll see. But again... Uh, you love the guy. You love the ambassador for Pitt. You love what he puts on him. I mean, he wears it on his sleeve. He he tells everyone that there's a Pitt grad on Monday Night Football every time. That's former Pitt guy, you know, who's shouting from the booth. It's Lewis Riddick. But for a GM job, especially for the Steelers, that would be obviously special for Pitt and, and Lewis Riddick and the type of connections there. We'll see if he can get it, though. I, I don't think he's 100% a slam dunk. Uh, for this, I do think Pitt might, uh, the Steelers might go um, with Brandon Hunt from the interior side of things. All right, folks. Well, I do want to continue talking a little bit about Pitt men's basketball. I know we talked about it yesterday, but I, there's kind of a few things that I want to sprinkle on there, kind of the absurdity of these games that was happening recently and what they need to do to bounce back here against Florida State. But first, let me let you know about Bet Online because Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues to march through the playoffs right to the big game in a few days. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline is up to the minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, with live real time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online where the game starts. All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast. As we continue to talk here, and as we talked about in our Doozy Extension and Lewis Riddick earlier, we're going to talk about Pit Men's basketball here a little bit. And I think it's something that we have to talk about as being very pertinent. To the, to the athletic discussion uh, in terms of Pitt. Um, and, and we obviously talked about many different avenues for Jeff Capel and, you know, where things are going here. But more importantly, I, I think there's a lot of different crazy things um, when, when I, when I kind of break down that Pitt-Virginia Tech game from last night. When you just do a little bit more digging, Here's some stats that jumped out to me. 
Pitt made 10 three-pointers, and he had only scored 47 points. BT shot the ball 15 more times than they did. Pitt just absolutely got crushed on the boards. And here's the real quick crazy one. Pitt 10 of 20 on three-point field goals is just a complete outlier for most of their season. But they were 1 of 10 on jumpers, 3 of 9 on layups. A lot of that was Jamari's Burton having probably his worst game of the season. And, and you're not going to hold that against Burton a lot because we know how good Jamari's Burton is. We know how consistent this dude's been. And so holding that against Burton feels like a crime. And so I don't know how I would break that down. But what I would say is I would not curse Jamari's Burton for this. Because it, there's a lot of villains on this pit team this year. and I'll tell you who ain't one. It's Jamari's Burton. Um, so there's a lot to break down in terms of that. But this men's basketball team, when you actually went back and watched the game, like just watch the game and you break it down from a detail standpoint. There is absolutely nothing that rectifies whatever the heck they're coaching. And I seriously don't know what Jeff Capel and the offensive staff are looking at. They are just standing around essentially half the time doing absolutely nothing. I mean, it's a travesty, folks. I don't know what Capel thought he was doing, but there's no movement to the back end. I mean, straight up, there's just no back end movement off ball. I mean, there's no cutting. There's no skip passes. There's nothing to stress a defense. And and here's the other thing. John Hughley obviously draws attention. He's their most dangerous player. They do nothing. And I mean this. They do nothing to take advantage of this dude. I mean, he gets attention. And, and I felt like this. You know, he's like averaging three turnovers per game over like the last eight games. I mean, it's absurd. And you look at that and say, oh, John Hughley's playing out of control. He's frustrated. He sure is frustrated. You can set, tell it on his body language. But, but when you actually watch that team, like where's the backside help? Why does no one come to the corner where he is and actually help him? Why does no one cut front side on the baseline? Why does no one do anything to help John Hughley out? Your guy's getting mugged down in the paint. And so the answer was to just not throw it down into the paint, in which case it just didn't work. And there was nothing, absolutely nothing, working for this team. I really think that this team offensively has so many issues. And that, you just watch it, it doesn't seem like a cohesive unit. There's nothing cohesive about that team, especially offensively. It, and that's the thing. There really is nothing that I look at from ball movement, from cuts, from a, a schematic set standpoint. Like, they don't do anything special with their sets. There's no actual effective ball screen game that they consistently provide outside of maybe every now and then the pick and roll. It's a disaster. And so when you look so at this team a lot, that when I look at this team, boy, do they, I can say that, man, you got to be proud of them for that because a lot of it's just a disaster on many fronts. It's not a good thing to look at this team and say, 
What like what what do they do well offensively? Maybe transition offense sometimes, but the half court offense is is terrible. And you can't go up tempo because your best player in John Hughley is a half court player. He's not a guy that gets into transition and tempo very well. It's really tough to watch this team play basketball. It's just painful to score points. It's painful to get good ball movement. It's painful to get open shots. That's the issue with this team. They don't really have any type of schematics to help out the players. It's essentially just go play and look like robots. That's the issue with this team. All right, folks, we'll be back tomorrow talking about Pitt versus Florida State. We'll see if they can pull it off 9 p.m. tomorrow on ACC Network. We'll talk about all that, the, the the fallout from it, and more. And if anything, of course, happens over tomorrow, we will talk about that as well, folks. As always, thanks for listening, and as always, hail to Pitt.